News. 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 New York City. FAQ NYC podcast getting more and more interesting by the minute. FAQ. Hey everyone, welcome to FAQ NYC. I am the producer Alex Brooklyn. I'm here with Harry Siegel. Hello. And our favorite Manhattan reporter from the city, Rachel Holiday Smith. Hello. Greetings. Greetings. Um, usually it's two Brooklynites on one Manhattanite, which would be me, you know, regardless of my name. But now it's two Manhattanites on one Brooklynite. So, haha, the tables have turned. Well, I actually live in Brooklyn. So it's still two Brooklynites against one Manhattanite. <laughs> Damn it. All right. Foiled again. Um, so today we're going to be talking about the Manhattan DA race, the Manhattan district attorney race, why it matters. Uh, Rachel, you know, has been reporting on it and is kind of an expert on the candidates and uh, some of the nuances of how we're going to move forward in what's going to be this huge shift for New York City. I mean, the mayor's race, the city council, the Manhattan DA. Uh, after June, this city is going to look very different. And what we decide in these elections is really going to have a lasting, lasting effect for the next like decade for New York City. So let's jump right in. Rachel, can you tell us why? Sorry for the glibness of this question, but why does this DA Manhattan DA race matter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's no, it's a big one. It's the only competitive DA race in the city right now. Technically, Eric Gonzalez in Brooklyn has to run again, but he has no challengers to speak of. Um, so the Manhattan DA's race is important because this is the top prosecutor for New York County, Manhattan. And the person who fills that job has really wide latitude over what happens to people who hit the criminal justice system. Um, I think that people don't really realize what a DA necessarily does because it's not like, you know, you know, on the public advocate who is out there doing press conferences or the mayor certainly who's got the budget and all, you know, they're really out there. The DA, DA until recently is certainly working on high profile cases and ends up in the news, but you don't really know what they do day to day. But for example, you know, a DA has wide latitude over um, how they deal with people coming up for parole. They can choose to actually, you know, fight for people to remain incarcerated or not. Um, they can decide how to use forfeiture funds. So, you know, money that's coming out of, uh, you know, investigations and uh, convictions and in, in Manhattan, <laughs> it's huge that that amount of money is enormous. It's hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, wow, they decide that? and not the comptroller's office. That's interesting, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a little known pocket of money, pocket, I should say, pile of money um, that they have full control over. And actually one of the first stories we did as a newsroom was about um, how Vance was spending some of that money to go on very lavish trips overseas to do conferences. So you really can, um, can do a lot with that money. Philosophically, if a DA you know, thinks that um, crimes of poverty, to use a, you know, a phrase that reformers use, are not something that should be prosecuted, for example. They can just say unilaterally, we're not going to prosecute you know, low-level crimes. We're not going to prosecute crimes related to sex work. We're not going to, you know, drug-related crimes, that sort of thing. So they really have quite a lot of power to change a lot of things quickly for people who are in the criminal justice system or affected by the criminal justice system. This race is, um, I would say by and large, a field of, of people who are 
thinking of ways to reform and change the office. I don't think there's anyone in the race who would say, I'm going to keep this exactly the same. I want to just create, you know, more of the legacy of what has been, which I will say, you know, Vance was running when he ran on the legacy of Robert Morgenthau, who was there for ever. I mean, he was just, that was the Manhattan DA. That, that was the guy. Um, so this is a very different vibe. So Vance was kind of running on the idea that he was going to keep Morgenthau's, mm-hmm. you know, legacy going. Uh, Harry, what was like the crux of that legacy? <laughs> He's laughing. That, that's a big question. Morgenthau's credible man had been there for forever. He'd actually been a, a Southern District prosecutor for a bit prior to that. Um, and Vance was, when he finally stepped aside, he was much older. Um, the, the guy who offered to pick up the mantle of someone who's like beloved enough that like law and order is uh, sort of about is sort of about Morgan Thau. So, so a, a, this big level in um, Vance comes in as these new reformers are starting to come in, like Ken Thompson, who's this first DA to indicate, wait, we don't have to prosecute all of these crimes. It does this with marijuana. And without querying it entirely with the city or the NYPD, he just says this is happening and sort of opens up this really interesting new wave we've had. Uh, Rich, I wanted to ask you, I wish I'd been following this race more closely. I know that this is a state race, so the campaign limits are like sky high. Mm -hmm. I know that there's not all that much polling, and I know there's a ton of people running. Mm -hmm. So I was hoping you could just sort of take us through the field and the uh, the state of the race right now. Sure, I will say this field is very experienced, and they a lot of them have like very good resumes. I will say that they are really sort of qualified folks. But I'll go through alphabetically because let's be fair here. Um, so the first person is um, Tahani Abushi, who is actually from Brooklyn, but she's been a long time um, civil rights attorney. She's had a private practice um, from her family. Her family has had a private practice and. I would say she's a real reform-minded candidate. She's very progressive, very left. um, And a lot of this was informed by her father who was incarcerated when she was growing up. And she was very affected by that. And she really wants to see fewer people be incarcerated. Um, Alvin Bragg is from Harlem and he has had a long career as first a, a federal prosecutor. And then he worked in the attorney general's office um, most recently as the chief deputy attorney general. And I'll note that he led a special unit that was investigating police involved killings. This was something that Eric Schneiderman created. And um, he will say that, you know, he's someone who is not going to be fully, you know, sympathetic to law enforcement. He saw for himself how that, you know, could negatively affect people through these really brutal cases of police killings. Um, Liz Crotty is someone who has positioned herself a bit as a moderate, you know, someone who's, you know, I think she would say she wants some changes in the office, but she's really um, looking to be a little bit more of the status quo uh, candidate. She was an assistant district attorney in Manhattan, so she worked in that office, and she is now, you know, a private civil litigator, I should say. We've got Tali Farhadi and Weinstein, who has a lot of money. Harry, you mentioned the money here. She has fundraised the most. She actually has doubled the amount of the number two person who is Alvin Bragg. He's raised a lot, but not as much as she has. She, uh, her husband is a hedge fund guy. So she's got a lot of connections to um, you know, people with money. And she has a really interesting backstory. She actually 
um, came from Iran with her family as a child and she has that great immigrant story and she most recently uh, worked as the general counsel for the Brooklyn District's Attorney's Office. So she's got a lot of connections to Eric Gonzalez um, and that office, but she's a longtime prosecutor. You're gonna see her blanketing the airwaves, I think, cause she's got a lot of money. She also has a podcast, I believe as well. That's right. Yeah. And I had forgotten that, but yes, yeah, she does. I don't know the name of it, but I'm sure that you can look it up and take a listen. And then we've got Diana Florence who is, she actually headed up the construction fraud task force at the Manhattan DA's office. So she's another person who worked in Vance's office and had a rough end there because she actually, um, she resigned, but you know, Vance put it out as that she was kind of kicked out because um, of a snafu or a, you know, some messiness with an investigation she had, but she claims that she left that office because of a toxic workplace environment and bullying. So She's got a bit of a messy history with Vance's office. She wants to run to do it better. So that's her claim to why she's running. Lucy Lang is our next candidate in the alphabetical order. Um, she's interesting because she did work for Vance. She was a prosecutor in that office. You know, I wrote about this. She was actually, I was hearing from sources that if, if she ran, he wouldn't run because she's an acolyte of him. You know, she worked closely with him. That indeed is what happened. He is not running. She's in the in the race. And she actually was the director of the Institute for Innovation in Prosecution at John Jay College. So she kind of makes the case that I, I actually professionally was the leader of this place that was designed to figure out how to make prosecuting better um, and to change prosecuting. So even though she was um, in the Manhattan DA's office, and some people would say that taints you, that means that you can't change the office. That means you're a career prosecutor and who knows if you can reform it, she'll say, no, I actually you know, studied academically and in this sort of think tank, a way to make this all better. Eliza Orleans is our next candidate. Um, she was a public defender for 10 years. That's what she's done in her career. Um, she's the, I believe the only public defender in the race. There are other people who you know, have done defense work, but she is the only public defender. And um, she's quite a progressive, quite left, I'll say, you know, one of her main platforms is that she really wants to see full decriminalization of sex work. She wants to see full legalization of sex work. Um, she really wants to fully change how we prosecute or rather how we don't prosecute. She really wants to see people not be incarcerated. Um, and interesting fun fact, she was on reality shows in her younger life and she was on Survivor in 2004. So you can check her out on reality shows if you want. Um, and then our last Democrat is Dan Court, who um, is an assembly member. He has been uh, a longtime politician in Albany. And, um, you know, he he's making the case that he actually has been in the trenches change, trying to change laws uh, to, you know, make reform and that no, he has never had prosecutorial experience, but you know, he can get things done in that ways. So, um, and lastly, we've got uh, Thomas Kenneth, who is our only Republican in this race. He is officially on the ballot. So we've got one and he is a criminal defense attorney from Staten Island. So if you are a Manhattanite who votes Republican, you have one choice and it's Thomas Kenneth. <laughs> what major shifts are coming for you know, Manhattan as this uh, kind of beacon of law setting precedent for the city. Yeah. I'm not even sure if that's true. I mean, Eric Gonzalez came in with his Justice 2020 plan, um, followed by the race for Queens DA. So like Manhattan actually seems to be 
on the later end of this mm-hmm. kind of catch-up reform trend for DAs in general, just because of the way elections fall. What are some of the ways in which the office works that could monumentally shift with this new election? Yeah, I think that the main thing that I've seen is that you could see a district attorney who comes in and just releases new lists of things that they will prosecute. This is something you know we've seen elsewhere in the country. Um, we just saw that DA Vance said that he will not prosecute um, prostitution charges in Manhattan any longer. And it's really interesting. If you look on the websites of these candidates, many of them actually list things they will not prosecute. They are making promises now of things that they won't prosecute. So again, like crimes of poverty, you know, low level misdemeanor charges for theft, that sort of thing. Um, Certainly some drug related charges. Actually, let's figure out how to not um, prosecute as much as we did. Um, So that that I think is going to be the the biggest thing. It's, It's almost like, okay, I'm running to be a prosecutor, but how can I figure out how to lessen the role of a prosecutor as much as I can. That's that's really where a lot of these candidates are coming from. And I also should say that I think this is not a policy choice, this is not a philosophical thing, but I think that a huge shadow over looming over this whole thing is that the Trump investigation. So almost certainly, unless things really move quickly this year, whoever runs is going to have to over take over um, the Trump investigation that Vance has going now. So that has become, I think, a question that these candidates are getting now, which is, do you have the experience to actually take that on? Do you have a lot of big investigations, big prosecutions under your belt to actually make that happen? Um, And we will see how well these candidates can can answer that. So those are the those are the two main sort of themes I would say in the next six weeks. We've got only you know a few weeks left until the primary, June twenty second. And has the increase in gun crime, in particular, over this last year, been, been an issue in this race at all? Hmm. That's a good question because I haven't watched all of the forums in this race. There are so many, but the ones that I've seen, the questions are more about reform and how you're going to change rather than the focus on violence or how you're going to keep Manhattan safe, which is sort of crazy considering that this is, this is the top cop in Manhattan. You don't hear a ton about that. And I will just posit a theory, which is that I think that the electorate is much more concerned about that or, you know, going to vote on their concerns about that than the people who are holding these forums or the ones who are actually talking about um, all of these things. I, I haven't been in, in New York for decades and decades. I've been here for 14 years, but I know that a lot of Manhattanites are thinking about the 70s and 80s and 90s. And <laughs> after this year, getting a little freaked out about, you know, quality of life concerns on the street, violence, um, going back to the bad old days. And I, I do have to wonder how much that is going to be in people's minds when they go to the ballot box. And certainly um, Liz Crotty uh, speaks to that a bit. Um, you know, she, I think she's positioning herself as someone who won't say, you know, certainly like defund the police or um, some of these really progressive left uh, visions for the office. Um, yeah, I think that it, it really hasn't come up as much as I would have thought. I don't think that's, that's in the narrative as much as um, it might be in the tabloids, you know? Um, 
I don't, I don't know if it's in the narrative as much as it's actually on people's minds, which is a fair amount um, currently. So I'm curious what everyone's temperature is on things like diversion courts. So we know we have them for drug convictions or drug arrests. We don't really have them yet because we don't have an, a, a robust infrastructure, but eventually we could have them for, say, people who are arrested or detained for having a mentally ill uh, episode? They, they are. It depends on the candidate. Some have released really extensive plans on sort of more specifics of how they would do that. But some have just said, yes, we should have diversion. Yes, we should, you know, be. Some, I think I'm right in saying that Tahani Abushi has said this, you know, she really wants to try to use the budget of the um, Manhattan District Attorney's Office to actually try to expand the options for people who may be even at risk of, um, you know, touching the criminal justice system to help them before they actually get there. Um, and yes, diversion courts as well. I, I don't know the specifics of each candidate's plan on that, but I will say, you know, Elvin Bragg, Lucy Lang have pretty extensive um, policy plans that they put out on where they would want to see that boosted. But I will say generally, yeah, I mean, these candidates, I think they see that as a solution. Um, I think they really want to see as much as possible people going through programs like that instead of going through the traditional prosecution that we've seen for so many years. And Manhattan has hosted some of like very star-studded giant cases. You know, you've got Harvey <laughs> Weinstein, R. Kelly, yeah. uh, Jeffrey Epstein, uh, Cardi B. I think Chapa <laughs> was Brooklyn. It was, yeah. And how do you think each candidate's going to handle that when it comes to who do you think would do well in the spotlight? I mean, this is that's all That's an interesting just... question. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I, you know, a lot of these candidates would do well, probably. But I think that the, the thing that some of them are saying is that um, I've already got the experience. I've already done big cases. You know, like you don't want somebody who's um, never prosecuted a case to have to deal with, for example, the, the Trump investigation. Um, and they're trying to make their case that I would be a good person for this. I would be a good figurehead. Um, I don't know if, you know, they're going so far to say, hey, I've got the swagger for the job. But, you know, it's kind of implied. Um, and, and then on the other side of things, you know, someone like Eliza Orleans or um, Tahani Abushi, she would, they'd probably say, you know, yes, maybe we don't have the experience of getting together a huge fraud case or, you know, a, real, a celebrity case, but it would be good for Manhattan to have such a reformer, such a progressive person that we would make a splash in that way by making sweeping changes. Um, so, you know, e each candidate is making their case in different ways of why they should have this really high profile job. And I will say, you know, even though there have been a, a move towards reform for prosecutors elsewhere in the country, you know, sometimes things don't really stick in terms of policy changes from prosecutors until you see it coming out of the, you know, the most busy county in New York, which is Manhattan. Um, I think that's fair to say for the recent news from Vance that he was not, you know, prosecuting these uh, prostitution crimes, you know, that had been talked about elsewhere, P you know, reformers had been pushing for this for years, but 
that makes a huge splash in Manhattan. So I too wonder how much any reformer is going to be able to stick to their bail reform guns, so to speak, in an era where we're facing mass eviction, um, federal funds are going to eventually stop coming uh, for rent relief and Mm -hmm. unemployment is going to run out. And the very wealthy Isle of Manhattan um, will have to be faced with, you know, like how willing are you to live in a truly diverse island on a truly diverse island and And how, you know, willing are you to stick with some of these policy changes as they're in transition, right? Yeah, definitely. I, I see this all the time, actually, in the Upper West Side, for example, because um, folks I talk to, political consultants, say that that is one of the most voter-heavy areas of Manhattan. They vote. The Upper West Side votes. They really come out. It, you know, I hear, if you can get a few buildings in the Upper West Side to go for you, you'll, you know, seal up the primary in the Democratic primary. And you see there this fight over this homeless shelter that's been going on for a year where people are really upset that they're seeing drug use on their streets. They're seeing defecation on their streets. They don't like seeing people loiter. Um, and they're really looking for someone, and I see this in the council race there as well. They're looking for someone who's actually gonna clean things up, make things safer um, in that sort of old school way. And I, I just, I do have to wonder how much the real progressive left voice is coming through in the district attorney race when people are really reacting to some of the issues you see spilling onto the street because of the pandemic. I mean, the Lucerne is a really interesting one just because it has, by and large, around that area been cleaned up. And that's what I mean by in transition, right? When he, when we first saw a massive influx during COVID of uh, older homeless um, and sometimes uh, chemically dependent men moving in there, there was this transitional period before there was like so much security set up and whatnot. I mean, I walk by that place at least several times a week. It's got security. It's like pretty, it's a pretty clean block. And again, you see it when there uh, is the council program that wants to allow you know, our gig economy delivery workers access to more bathrooms in restaurants. And the Upper West Side is like a big voice in no way. Don't mm-hmm. let delivery men use the restroom anywhere. So, I mean, I, I personally wonder whether Upper West Siders just want piss on the street, but like definitely see this unwillingness to move through the transitions it takes to get to progressive policy on the Upper West Side. Yeah, I think that the fear of the streets being unclean, you know, again, I'm putting quality of life in quotes, you can't see my quotes, but quality of life concerns that sometimes spill into, you know, criminal concerns, that fear is huge for people in Manhattan, um, especially maybe older, um, longtime homeowners who typically are the ones who come out and vote, um, who have, you know, lived through decades of living in Manhattan and who are the ones that have those real fears. So I don't know, I just see a really a, a, a difference between, you know, the, the things you see from block association newsletters and the things that are being talked about in these forums. I also should just point out that this race is not ranked choice voting. This is a, this is a race that you have to pick your favorite. So um, typically ranked choice voting helps quote unquote, like insurgent <laughs> candidates or people who are not traditional 
high fundraiser candidates, um, so women, people of color, and ranked choice voting will not help those candidates here. So um, you got to just win it all or nothing. I, I just wanted to punch one thing in, and there's no runoff, right? So, so in this crowded field, you know, if you get to like 22 percent or whatever, yeah, that's, in this that's primary, a- you're pretty much the next Manhattan DA. I believe that that's correct. Yes, that's correct. My last question just for me is like, are there any big endorsements of uh, candidates that we have seen? Yeah, I mean, one comes to mind. The thing with this race is that um, I don't think that they're unlike maybe the mayor's race. I don't think there's going to be like big endorsements that really swing things, because I really think since this is, you know, borough focused, those smaller endorsements are going to bite the apple, you know, you're going to have a political club make an endorsement that influences a block or a neighborhood. Um, but something that caught my eye was that um, Janos Martin, who was in this race as a candidate, he was a big time reformer. He was actually a top guy who pushed for um, the Close Rikers campaign. Uh, he endorsed Alvin Bragg, which some people would label Alvin as a moderate or, you know, he's a career prosecutor. So, you know, somebody who's a little bit more traditional. Um, and Janos is someone who was really pushing for a holy rethink of the prosecutor office. And he endorsed um, Alvin. So that, that was a bit surprising to me. And that endorsement also came with an endorsement from Zephyr Teachout, who also endorsed Alvin. So I think that in this race, you're going to get a little bit more, um, you know, those individual nods to different candidates instead of you know a union saying this is who you should choose um, or those big names um, you're also going to see celebrity endorsements I think I think especially since this is such a high profile you know race you're going to see people from across the country celebrities who don't live in New York saying hey you should um, you should go for you know this this person who's super progressive or you know you should change the way the prosecuting works in Manhattan um, but we've got just a few weeks left and I think we're going to see more and more high profile endorsements come in just because these candidates are really trying as hard as they can to separate from the pack. I, I think it's safe to say there really is no front runner here. There's also very little polling. Um, we've seen some internal polls come out from the candidates, but you can't really take stock in those. And um, I just saw a poll from the pro charter group um, Students First where they had polled on the DA race, interestingly. Um, and I believe that Tali Farhadi and Weinstein and um, Lucy Lang were the top two, but the undecideds in that poll were 44%. So, and the margin of error was 2.5% and everybody was really neck and neck. So you're really not gonna, it, I don't think that we will have a good guess going into the primary on this race. Well, we'll wait and see what, who Zabar's in, uh, uh, endorses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get that Zabar's vote. Yeah. Any last thoughts, Harry, before we let Rachel go about her about her very busy reporting day? Uh, it's sort of striking that everyone's talking about cleaning up after Vance when Vance has spent so much of uh, the last few years sort of cleaning up after himself mm. with Harvey Weinstein, with the Trump investigation, with, with, with sexual predators generally, with criminal reform stuff. Mm. It's, uh, it's going to be a, a very interesting moment of transition and uh no 
that's my thought. Weinstein and Epstein, right? Didn't his office like fail mm-hmm. to prosecute Epstein in uh, or or lessen the Epstein sex offender charge in like 2011? I think I'm getting yes. that right. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, well, it was when when I first started covering this race in 2019. It was Epstein, Weinstein, and the Trump kids. That was like the three things that everyone was talking about. It's like, ah, oh, Vance, you know, you didn't do this. You shouldn't have done this. Um, and now we're talking about Trump again, but forward-looking, right? The Trump, the Trump investigation that is so monumentally important going forward. So yeah, and certainly it's a theme of how are you going to prosecute, you know, big-time fat cats? That's a huge theme that remains in this race. So we'll see how people can answer for that. Thank you so much for coming on. What was what I promised you would be like fifteen minutes, but it's actually forty. Um, very happy to have you. Thank you. Of course, pleasure to be here. FAQ. FAQ NYC is a production of Racket Media and a proud member of the Brickhouse Cooperative of Independent Journalists and Artists. We're headquartered at NYU's Mitsilver Institute for Poverty Policy and Research and recorded this week from the boroughs of Brooklyn and Manhattan. Wear a mask, get a flu shot, keep it 100, 